0: You're listening to a message from Mattia Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California.
1: We need to trust the author. We need to trust the writer. We need to trust God in this situation. We need to step back and say, God, I can't trust my own eyes right now. I can't trust my own feelings right now. I just got to trust you with it.
0: This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah.
1: All right, good morning, Grixie, everybody. I am looking forward to what's gonna happen today. Sorry, it's like a long walk coming up on the side there, but uh, hopefully, everybody is doing all right. Aren't these chairs comfortable? Are they a little bit too comfortable? So, don't fall asleep. So uh, if your neighbor gets too comfortable, you have my permission to slap them upside their head, okay? All right, no, no, don't do that, don't do that. But uh, keep your neighbor awake this morning and uh, just let them know it's gonna be great. Uh, Touch your neighbor this morning and say, man, you look like you lost weight since I last saw you. Touch him and say, you look like you lost weight since I last saw you. Now, don't you just feel better already? Like, hey, man, this is great. You're just like, man, this is excellent. Uh, This morning, I was thinking this week after everything that's gone down, I was really debating. I was like, man, we're still going to teach on a family series. You know, we're, we're right in the middle of a series all about the imperfect family. And I was thinking, should we still continue with this train of thought? And then God was like, wait a minute, every family goes through crisis. Every family goes through emergencies. So what better topic to talk about then crisis and emergencies. And it's just great when you have such a great illustration built in as well. So it's perfect. So everything works together. Touch your neighbor and says, it all works together. It all works together. See, God is not gonna waste anything in your life and in mine. Too often, God is actually trying to get into our situation and we focus so much on the fear and the doubt, we don't ever give him a chance to get into the situation. And so this has given us an opportunity to get our eyes on Jesus, to get our eyes on God, and say, look, I can't fix this, they can't fix it, the lawyer can't fix it, this person can't fix it. So God, I guess it's up to you. And God's saying, it's about time you just look to me. It's about time you just trust me this morning. And that's probably a great word for all of us, but we're looking forward to seeing what God has to say this morning. Uh, real quick, before we get started, let me just give you a quick update. Some of you are first-time guests, decided that you are here we are the uh, traveling church I guess and so this will be I don't like to call it our our new location I like to call it our new campus all right this is just our new campus this is just just where we're at and it it all works Uh, I remember one church member a few uh, months ago he came to me and he said you know what I don't know what God is doing, but it seems like God will move us to a place. We reach that neighborhood and then he'll move us on and we reach that neighborhood. Maybe God just wants to reach San Jose by having us move from neighborhood to neighborhood and it's kind of like, you know, that old school uh, gospel warfare where we're just taking Jesus to the neighborhood. So we just show up in the neighborhood. We preach Jesus and which everybody kind of knows Jesus. Kind of what Apostle Paul would do. He would go from city to city. He'd raise up a church and uh, then he would move on to the next one and uh, lives would be forever changed for the kingdom because of it. So so this week on Wednesday, uh, I, I brought my journal here because it's, I, I like to journal, and I like to tell people, hey, reader, uh, note takers are history makers, so I take a lot of notes myself, and so I was writing in my journal May 1st, uh, Wednesday morning, May 1st, I was just writing, and uh, I just had some thoughts, and so I, I just happened to have some thoughts in my mind, I was like, all right, God, what is next for us, what do you want to do, and uh, I, I made... The, the wonderful request of God on uh, May uh, the 1st. And I said, all right, God, uh, I know you're gonna do something great. And uh, then I wrote down, I said, you know what? The best stories are the ones that have the most difficulty. Those are the ones we like to read about the most. And, you know, I was just, Monday morning was a great morning. I had a really good cup of coffee that morning. You know, Jane was especially nice to me that morning. And, uh, you know, the kids were all doing good. So it was just a, it was beautiful weather. And it was all good till 4.55 p.m. I'm about to go to a, like, uh, a conference and hear some great preaching. I love to listen to Stephen Furtick. Stephen Furtick was a preacher. And I was like, man, this is going to be a great day. Check my inbox. And all of a sudden, my day got flipped upside down just a little bit because we got uh, an eviction notice posted on the building. And I was thinking, okay, what are we going to do? And not thinking about it too much. And uh, then you just kind of say, you know what? I'm going to sleep on it. I believe God's going to do something. And if you're thinking, man, why did they just evict us? Here's the deal they didn't just evict us they evicted everybody And after further discussion, after further research, it looks like so far that one of two things has either happened. Either A, everything got approved, and they're now going to be again early demolition, but that doesn't look like the case. Uh, It actually looks like Charities Housing lost the project, so I need a little bit more clarification on that because I'm hearing a report that they lost it, and so now they're emptying the building to sell it. If that be the case, let's all take an offering, and let's just buy the daggum thing, all right? Let's just do that, okay? And the problem's solved, you know? And we'll just meet here for a minute, and then we'll move back in uh right now in my in my uh my carnal carnal side you know uh pastors have their bad size too uh uh, we have keys to the building, and there's a lot of a lot of venerable citizens that live on the streets that I thought about, man, here's the key, and you get a key, and you can have the building. Have fun. Just have fun, you know? Uh, and and you get a house, you get a house, you get a house, and have all that at it, you know? That's my flesh, y'all, okay? That was just how I was feeling. I didn't act on it, and please, uh, uh, you don't act on it, and if you do, just don't tell me. Don't blame it on me, okay? All right? I don't want to plant seeds in your mind about what to do, but God is so, so good good you say how is God so so good we talk about it but let me just prove it just for a minute all right God knew that this was happening we knew that the building wouldn't be permanent so ever since last October I've been looking at buildings talking with commercial real estate agents I've even been lining up loans that our church might be able to qualify for so that when a building comes up we can get into a building there are people I've been talking to that are part of our association they have two banks a part of the association that do loans specifically for the church to get them into buildings So it's not anything that caught God by surprise. We've also been working on getting into a building. There's a church that they are left with 12 members. They haven't had a pastor in five years. And so we've been talking with them for months now about, hey, why don't you just join us and uh, we'll just acquire everything. And so that conversation, they called me on Friday and they said, what do you need? What do you need? We got a building. You just help yourself. And I was like, oh, that's great, you know? So that's happening. So we, have, we have lots of things that God is already doing. And you say, man, what about this school? Why are we here then, you know? Uh, uh, let me just tell you a great story. Several years ago, I came to Oak Grove because we need to do our first epic Easter event. And we thought, well, hey, we'll, we'll do it here so I showed up with some Marie Callender's pies and talked to the principal. And uh, Marie Callender's pies will make any principal smile and their staff. And so I brought that in. I started to share a little bit about our church and what we do and how we give out trees to the community and how we do Easter egg hunts and how we give away bicycles. And then she began to cry right there in her break room. And she said, I'm, I'm one of seven kids raised by a single mom, and we were poorer than poor. And, man, if there would have been a church in our neighborhood like Southridge, that made a, would have made a world of difference. So I can't go back and change how my childhood was, but if you're going to do it, I'll make sure you have a building and a place to do it. Last year, we held <laughs> Epic Easter. I know, that's awesome, right? That's awesome. Last year, we held Epic Easter right here. You remember, it, we were packed to the rafters, multiple service, 3,000 people showed up. She never charged us, never billed us. Uh, this auditorium alone is over $1,000. We can use it multiple times. She never billed us. It was easily a $3,000 bill, easy, and she never sent it. Never sent it. And I followed up on it and everything. She said, no, no, just pay for our janitors, and you're good. We believe in what you're doing. So sometimes you can feel alone, but just know God, God saw this way before you, you saw it. God said, don't worry. I've got you. I haven't abandoned you. I, it is difficulties. And, and it is true uh, what happens in times like this. This is what makes a story worth telling. Nobody likes to hear the story of, oh, everything was perfect, everything was easy, and look what a great success. Nobody likes that story. The story is only worth hearing because of the struggle of what God is doing. And so there's so many things like that. Uh, I rented an office and so I told the guy hey I need an office and everything so he emailed me and he's like anything else you need and I said yeah I need a church building and I just you know ha 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 you know he knew our situation and a few minutes later uh, yesterday he sent me an email he said hey my son is an expert at getting churches into commercial buildings here's his number he's going to call you and he'll take care of it. I already got that email so God is already lining things up well we don't need to worry uh, we, we weren't sure about, hey, how often we get to use this building. Uh, but then the janitor yesterday happens to be a Christian guy, goes to Redemption Church, and he said, hey, I'm available next week. Just let us know what you need. The principal already said just whatever the church needs, just, just help them out. And so God's already got this. This is a comfortable place. It's a comfortable building. So we're going to be okay. I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to fret. I know sometimes people see crisis and they say, oh man, what's going on? No, no, no. God has got this. Well, let's get to some preaching for the next few minutes to spend some time in God's word because today we are still hosting Backstage Pass. If you're new, Backstage Pass will be during the next service. There'll be some special food out there. We're still going to baptize people today. We're still going to celebrate. Next week is Mother's Day. We're still going to honor all the single moms. We have a special gift that we do every Year for single moms, and uh, most people don't know that who who takes care of single moms, you know. And uh, usually there's somebody to make sure the kids write a card or, or or make a breakfast that doesn't taste very good, but it's very sweet thought, you know. And uh, there's usually somebody to instigate that, but for single moms, who does that? So our church, we're going to set out a big spread. There'll be a big meal. It'll be a really nice photo booth, and we've got an extra special gift for single moms as a cash gift that we give to all the single moms. We want you to come back and uh, uh, and 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 don't pretend to be a single mom that you regulars. We, we know. We know where your husband is, okay? Don't say, hey, buddy, you stay home, and I'm gonna go to church. No, 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 we know we know you, uh, but this is for others. And uh, so let's dive into it, and let's talk about crisis in the family, all right? Last week, we kicked off a series entitled My Imperfect Family, and we said family is a place where we can be known and still loved because family is such a broad topic. It's so nuanced, okay? There's so many different facets when you talk about family. And there is no perfect family. Even as you open up, God, God's word. If you study the Old Testament the New Testament, there's no perfect family. Jesus' family wasn't perfect. Uh, David's family was not perfect. Abraham's family wasn't perfect. So there are no flawless families, okay? There isn't. So let yourself off the hook when you look at the Bible and people say, well, I just want to have a, a, a good a biblical family. I don't know if you want that. Some of the families are pretty messed up. We want to follow some principles in the Bible. But a biblical family, uh, you show me where you found a biblical family. I mean, they have moments that are good, but it's just like you and I. We have moments that are better than others. We have moments where we would like to wish that that was all of it, but it's not. And so we are looking at family. And last week we talked about influence. And we especially said influence in the family is the biggest thing. You want to have influence as your children grow. You want to have influence on your kids and grandkids. You want to have influence on your spouse. Family influence is this thing that we don't even think about. We don't think about the power of influence. We understand it in the workplace. We understand it in the neighborhood. We understand it in politics. But we so often misplaced, and we forget the impact that influence has in our own family. I want to always be able to influence my son, Cain, and Austin. I want to be able to influence my daughter, Megan. I want to have always a good influence. I want to be able to, when I'm 55, 65, 75, 85, 95, however old God gives me, how many years he gives me, that I still am able to speak into their life, and they still respond to that. That is called influence, because there's going to come a day when they're eight maybe sooner than 18, where they no longer want to obey the rules that I've established, but I still want them to follow my influence. And so we said influence is increased by consistency. Influence is also diminished by inconsistency, but it's replenished by intentionality. So we said last week, you want to get a strong family? You want a strong family tree? you need consistency. A strong family tree comes with consistency in the home. You don't have to be perfect mom. You don't have to be perfect dad. You don't have to be perfect aunt, uncle, brother, sister. You just need to be consistent. If we are just consistent, that says so much for our influence. And yet today, consistency is just overrated. It seems like a lot of people today, it's one thing to start. It's another thing to stop. And we got a lot of starters and stoppers, but we don't have the people that are just those consistent. Scripture says this, a Faithful man, who can find? It says we're looking for that faithful person. You, you, business owners, you managers. It's really tough to hire somebody that'll that that when you post the schedule, they show up on time and they show up on the days they're scheduled. Usually every day, you're just like, all right, who's going to call out? Who's not going to show up? Or who's not going to show up on time and get the job done? Or who's going to try to duck out early? You know, consistency. It's a value that seems to have been diminished today. So today. I want to kick things off. I want to get going with some things. And I want to, want to, uh, I know many people have reached out to me and been such a blessing and an encouragement. And uh, I just want to say, you know, one person, they called me, they were like, man, you know, pastor, I just feel so bad for you. I know you serve God, and I know you say that God loves you, but After everything that happens to you, Pastor Micaiah, I just don't know if he loves you that much. I know he loves me, but it just doesn't seem like he loves you all that much. How are you doing? And in the spirit of Endgame and Avengers, uh, when it comes to difficulties like this, I echo what Captain America said. I could do this all day. I could do this all day. I could do this all day. This isn't going to stop what God has and the mission and the plan. We're just going to keep on going, okay? And uh, nothing's going to stop the work that God has called us to. We just keep on moving for the glory of God. He's got too much for us to, to do this morning. So we're not going to give up. So let me ask you a question. How do you handle the emergencies in your life? How do you handle it? Because pressure will reveal how solid or soft your family is. We celebrated Easter a few weeks ago, and during Easter, you possibly gave out some Easter eggs. Now, if you are a chocolate lover, you sometimes have to be careful when you buy the chocolate because you may get cheated. You see what do you mean? They have Easter bunnies that are called hollow Easter bunnies, and when you bite into the ear or wherever you like to bite the bunny, I, I don't know if you like to start at the foot, like to start at the ear, it doesn't matter, And uh, but then you bite in it and it's hollow. Oh, man, it's hollow. There's nothing in it. All right? Or there's something that's solid. There's the solid ones, you know, and they weigh like five pounds. You put some pressure on that, it's not going to break. You put pressure on the soft ones, and it crumbles. And sometimes you look at a family and you say, man, They just crumbled they just they just fell apart why because pressure reveals how solid or soft we are and i love it when our church gets tested with some pressure i love it because it reveals how solid or soft we are and so today especially more than ever we need to be a church that says hey and when it comes to being uh, being under pressure how do we respond to it we're solid we're solid I said it in our huddle. I said, guess what? Our church wasn't built in a day, and it's not going to fall apart in a day. It's a, This thing we didn't start in a day, and it's God's church. He's going to take care of it. And so we're going to we're going to continue to say, God, how can we deal with the pressure? My wife bought this amazing cooking device, and I think every other device, if it could talk or speak, hates this one device in our kitchen now. You say, what do you mean? Because this one little thing that sits on my counter has replaced so many other cooking uh, devices in our kitchen. We used to have all these other appliances that you could. We used to have the food dehydrator. That's gone. Anybody else have a food dehydrator? Remember those little things? Yeah, yeah. We don't. We don't use that anymore. This is this new device has replaced that. We used to use a crock pot. Any any crock pot? You're like, no. I watch This Is Us. I will never use a crock pot ever again, and just never. This is of the devil, okay? And I won't do it. And uh, we used to have a crock pot. We used to have two. Two, I don't know why we needed two, but we would have two, and that's been replaced. And uh, we've replaced uh, uh, all kinds of other things that I don't even, I don't even know what they are. They, it can cook a full turkey instead of four hours, 30 minutes. You know how it goes. You watch those infomercials, and you just buy it, you know. And we had all these things, and uh, they just take, and they club, and clutter up our cabinets, but they've all been replaced by one device. You say, what is that? And thanks to Edie Shin, we have a hot pot. What is it called? instant pot. I don't know, but this thing can make a meal in 35 seconds. You just drop the ingredients in, push a button, and bam, it's like Star Trek, you know, the little thing, it just beams it there. It's just, the food is there, and it tastes so good. You can take a roast and throw it in there, and it's amazing, and Jane's like, oh, oh, we got to get dinner, and in seven minutes later, there's dinner. I'm like, why is it always seven minutes? Everything is seven minutes now, for whatever reason. We go by instant pot time now. She's like, oh, dinner will be ready in 15 minutes, and literally 15 minutes, we'll have dinner, seven minutes, and uh, it just, you throw the ingredients in, and man, it just, it just cooks it up. You say, why? Because it takes the old pressure and it uses that pressure and it makes something delicious you see sometimes we think pressure is dangerous there's a lot of people that think pressure is dangerous so they do anything they can to avoid avoid the pressure but here's the thing that crock pot the pressure isn't dangerous for it other other devices in our kitchen that pressure is dangerous for it 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 would break it can't handle that kind of pressure but the crock pot was designed for the pressure you see when god sent pressure into your life you need to remember something I was designed for this pressure. It's not here to destroy me because I was designed for it. And when you're designed for it, it cannot destroy you. Because God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God says, I know how I made you. I know how I formed you. And so I've made you so that you can handle what I'm about to hand to you. Okay, because it's like the Instant Pot. The pressure is not dangerous, and it's got the little PSI meter. That's a lot of pressure. And if you're not careful, that pressure can cause some damage, but the pressure will not destroy you when you're designed for it. You're designed for it. I know a lot of people today, we run from pressure. It's unfortunate. And if you go to the gym, anybody go to the gym? I like going to the gym. I try to get in three, four times a week, and uh, whenever I go to the gym, I get gym envy. You say, what's gym envy? You see somebody, and you can look over at some guys or gals, and they got those muscles, man. I'm just like, man, how do you get those muscles? How do you get those shoulders? How do you get those quads? How do you get those, all the deltoids and oids and whatever you know, that they got? you know? And uh, they just got all these muscles on muscles. I'm like, man, that's just awesome. And then I see them sit on a bench, and then they got a spotter who keeps adding plate after plate after plate after plate, and I'm like, oh, I want your muscles, but I don't want to go through that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm envious of the way you look and your muscles, but I don't know if I want to lift all that. You see, there's a lot of people, they would say, oh, man, I want I want that fruit, but they don't want that fight. You See, here's the thing. God never says, I'm just going to hand it to you, and in our microwave instant society, it seems like we just want everything handed to us. And so we're looking at Joshua 24. If you have a copy of God's word, let's turn to Joshua 24 because he's gonna help the people with something. Because many of us, we have a default mode. And there is a downside to our default mode. What is our default mode? We like comfort, we like ease, we don't like the extra pressure, we don't, we don't like the emergency. And the default mode is destroying our families. It's, it's breaking us apart. So Joshua, he's going to speak to the children of Israel in Joshua 24. And Joshua, he's going to speak about their history. Joshua is going to also share his heart. And then Joshua is also going to give them a heading of where we need to go. And I'm going to keep drilling down a little bit deeper. Last week we were here and we looked at verses 14 and 15, but let's look at verse number one. The Bible says this, then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. You say, Shechem. Somebody say Shechem this morning. Shechem. You say, what is Shechem? What's the big deal about Shechem? You say, Shechem goes way back. You say, how far back? It goes back to when Abraham, before he was Abraham, was Abram. And when Abram first worshiped God, he built an altar. You know where he built that altar at? It was at Shechem, that's where it started. So the line of Israel started here. So Joshua says, we need to go back to there. And when you're in a difficulty, when you're in a trial, when you're in an emergency, it's always helpful to go back to what you know is solid. To go back to some foundational truth. Whenever you face something difficult, what are those foundational things? What are those things that you know are solid, that are timeless and eternal? So Joshua takes the children of Israel back to Shechem. He summons the elders, the leaders, the judges, the officials of Israel, and they present themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor lived beyond the Euphrates river and worshiped Other gods. Other gods there is really interesting. And they worshiped other gods. This means Abraham worshiped other gods. Abraham was not a God-fearing person, the one true Jehovah God. He was worshiping other gods. And then the next verse says this, but I took your father, Abraham. He says, but I took him out. So God said, I'm going to take you out of a place that, you're, that you know, that you're comfortable with, the, the friends and the family that you know. I'm going to take you out of that. I'm going to take you out of that idolatry. I'm going to, I'm going to get you away from that. I'm going to pull you away from that. And notice what he says. He says, uh, from the land beyond the Euphrates, and he led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. And he gave him Isaac. And to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau and assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau. But Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron and I aff- and I afflicted the Egyptians. But what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought you out, Out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued you with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. So it's it's tough, right? God brings them out, and all of a sudden, what did God bring them out to? He brought them out to an ocean, the, the sea, and now they're trapped. Now the Egyptians are coming, and it seems like for the for the children of Israel, the hits just keep coming, doesn't it? Seems like things went from bad to worse. They were slaves, being beaten and killed, and now they're out here. And notice what he says. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of Their land. And I love the fact that he points out hey, when you were crying out to the Lord for help, the Bible says that's when I helped you. I showed up. This reminds me that when you are being pursued to pray, it reminds me to pause to pray. You say, what do you do in a crisis? What's the first thing any family can do in a crisis? You say, freak out. You say, "Uh, get upset, start yelling, start blaming, start cussing, start getting violent. No, no. The best thing, when the children of Israel came to a crisis, what did they do? They cried out to God. The best thing you and I can do in a crisis is to pause and pursue God. You say, why? Because the more intimate you and I are with God, the less intimidated we are by man you see there needs to be a point where God says hey I want you to pause and pray I want you to seek me right now because it's real easy when we're in a a stressful difficult moment you know what's real easy to do it's real easy to just fixate and focus on our worry and focus on our fear and all of a sudden everything starts looking bleak and everything starts looking depressing everything starts looking down instead of saying no 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 God I need something to focus on I need something good So, so Joshua is telling the children of Israel at the end of his life guess what remember you're going to go through a crisis one day. You're going to go through a difficulty one day. So I want you to do what we did back then. What we did back then when we faced something is we cried out to God. When we were being pursued, we paused and we prayed. When's the last time you faced an emergency You said, we just got to pray over this? We just got to stop right now, right in this grocery store, right on this roadside, right in this break room, right in this living room, right in this bedroom, right wherever we are, and we're going to pray over this. We're going to ask God to intercede on our behalf because God says, my ear is not shortened. My hand is not shortened that I cannot hear you or reach for you. God is saying, hey, I will help you. I will support you. God is not here to abandon us. So when you're being pursued, that's when we pray. When was the last time you and your family pause for that prayer? Because I think too often we use prayer as like, oh, we pray over meals. We uh, pray over our kids. We pray over big things. But the Bible says with everything, give prayer and supplication. With everything, pray without ceasing. When are we going to say, you know what, God, i got to keep praying. You say, why? Because prayer makes God a priority in your home. That's what prayer does. Because don't you want your children, because you know your children to face a crisis, and in that moment, don't you want them to cry out to God? Don't you want them to say, you know what, we're in a crisis. So what did mom and dad used to do? Let's do what mom and dad did. What did they do? They always prayed. They prayed about it. And I remember they could just pray because why? Prayer puts a priority of God in the home. Also, prayer invites God's presence into your home. It invites his presence in. You say, I thought God was everywhere. This is true. God is everywhere. But here's the thing. When we're saying we're inviting God's presence in, we're saying, God, I need more than what's here. I need it so thick. I need it so palatable. God, I need to, I need to see it. God, I need to, I need to see it conquering my fear. I need to be reminded that I'm not surrounded by this problem, but that I'm surrounded by you. And you say, well, how do I pray? Prayer can be simple. As simple as God, thank you for, you fill in the blank, and God help me with, and you fill in the blank. That could be your simple. You say, I don't have a good prayer life. Then just start with a few minutes a day and say, God, Thank you for my wife. God, help me with my wife. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know. It's just like, God, thank you for my husband. God, help me with my husband. God, thank you for my children. Help me with my children. God, thank you for my job. Help me with my job. I don't know what it is for you, but sometimes we spend more time fretting, worrying, and thinking about it instead of just going to God about it. Because the children of Israel are being reminded by Joshua, hey, guess what, guys? Let's go to prayer. But he continues. He says this in verse number 9. He says, And also remember when Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel. He sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. You say, Who's this guy? Who's Joshua talking about? In Numbers 22. You don't have to turn there, but let me fill in the story. You see, sometimes we think that. Oh, all blessing is good. Like, I just want to keep getting blessed. I want to keep getting bigger, keep wanting to expand. Well, that's what happened. See, the children of Israel, they got to the Jordan River. They were about to cross in over into the promised land. And so they're camped out there. They're about two to three million people. But then they start multiplying. They start growing. And guess what? The king of Moab is now seeing this nation that's camped out on the riverbanks that they're growing. And now his kingdom is now threatened. Because guess what? Every promotion brings new problems. Sometimes we just think, well, if I just keep getting promoted, then that's good. There's not going to be new problems. No, no. Every promotion brings new problems, new levels, new devils, new heights, new fights. There's always going to be something else. So this king of Moab, he gets a magician, one that can talk with the spirits. His name is Balaam. And he says, Balaam, you have a reputation. We've got this people. I want you to curse them. So Balaam, he says, not a problem. And so Balaam's going to go, and he's going to curse him. But Balaam is on a donkey. And if you grew up in Sunday school and church, you probably heard this story, that Balaam was riding on his donkey, and the donkey stops because there was an angel of the Lord that Balaam couldn't see, but the donkey could see it. And the donkey stops, and he knows if he keeps going, the master is going to be killed, the one that's on his back. So he stops, and then Balaam gets mad that the donkey won't keep going. So he starts to beat the donkey. The Bible tells us that the donkey is female, but it talks with a male voice. Craziest thing. All of a sudden, uh, uh, right then, he gave up his vaping habit. He stopped with anything that he was smoking. He just said, I'm done with that. I don't know what I had. I'm giving it up because I am hallucinating. My female donkey is talking with a man's voice. And at that moment, he, he, his eyes are open. He sees the angel, and he repents. And then he says, God, okay, I, I'm wrong here. And all of a sudden, God says, hey, You're only going to speak what I tell you to speak. So he goes to the king. He says, hey, you want me to curse him, but I'm only going to say what God wants me to say. So the king's like, yeah, whatever. Just go and curse these people. Well, as he stood up on a mountaintop surrounding the children of Israel, he built seven altars. And on these seven altars, he offered a pagan sacrifice. And then he begins to try to curse the people. And he couldn't curse them. He begins to speak. And as he spoke, guess what? A blessing came out. But not just one blessing. He's like, oh, he got frustrated. So we go to another altar, and he begins to curse him again. But instead of cursing, he blesses him for a second time. And then he blesses him for a third time. And then he blesses him for a fourth time and a fifth time. Seven times he blesses them. There are seven times where Balaam was supposed to curse him, but instead it comes out a blessing because God reversed the curse. And that's what he did in the Old Testament, and that's what Jesus did. He reversed the sin curse. The sin curse that we're all cursed with. That's just been passed down through the line of Adam. We're all cursed with sin. And because of sin, sin separates us from God. And we need to repent of our sin. And we need to accept Jesus Christ and forgiveness in his shed blood so that we can have eternal uh, home in heaven. And so God reversed the curse. And God reversed this curse. You see, it may seem like enemies are coming against you. But remember, God is reminded the people, guess what? I can turn what they meant for evil. I can turn it to good. I can turn it around. Because that's what Joseph told the children, wasn't it? Remember, Joseph told his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. You see, God can reverse it. God can turn things around so fast. I know you may feel like, oh, we're going through something, or maybe your family's going through something. But remember, God can turn things around. God can reverse that curse. What others meant for evil, God can turn to good. So don't be afraid of it. The other side is too often we get confused with what is actually good. We think the only things that are good are what the good things that happen to us and to our family. But God sees more than that. God knows what's actually good for us. And if you're going through something right now and you're thinking, man, this doesn't seem good, then guess what? You just haven't seen it yet. God's going to work it all out. But then I've been working on a message all week, and I just didn't know what to preach. And really, this last thought is really the whole thing that I think God wants you to hear this morning. If nothing else, this is, I think, it. You say, man, it just seems like the children of Israel just went through one battle after another. They wandered in the wilderness, fought army after army, and then as soon as they crossed into the promised land, they got to fight army after army. And it just seems like the hits keep coming, and maybe you feel like that. The hits just keep coming. When are they going to hits just stop? When are the, when are the difficulties just going to stop? And maybe you, right now you're thinking, God, I just feel like you're picking on me. I don't know why, God. I just I feel like I can't get a break at a good job or a good promotion. God, I just feel like, man, my, my wife and I, We always fight. Always fighting. Why are we, when are we just going to stop fighting? God, my children, and i we're always just, we always at it. We used to be so close. But now it just seems like cats and dogs. It just seems like, man, we can never have peace in our home. It just seems like my boss and I, we used to, man, when I first started working there, it was great. But now I just can't stand it. Man, it just seems like, man, God, you're always picking on me. But there's something I want to remind you of. It's something that Joshua reminded the children of. You see, Joshua was letting them know, guess what? Abraham was picked by God. Children of Israel are picked by God. God said, out of a lineup, I I pick you. You see, God, God could have lined up all kinds of nations. God could have lined up anybody to be the father of his children. He could have lined up anybody, but God, God picked them. And God is trying to remind the children of Israel that guess what? You're I picked you, I chose you. You're special. Remember those times when mom or dad would go on a trip, and they say, I'm only taking one, and they'd, they'd pick you, and you're like, yeah, it's me. I get to go. All right. Or, or maybe there's uh, someone at your job, and there's a big promotion, and, and you get the promotion. You get picked. I'm here to tell you this morning, God isn't picking on you. He picked you. He's not picking on you. He's picking you. Because he knows that you can handle this. He knows that when he works in you, that he's going to be able to do something in you. You see, God knows that right now, you say, man, this is so difficult. This is so hard. I don't know what you're going to do. And really, God is saying, no, 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 I am not picking on you. I'm here to pick you because I want you to see what I can do. I want you to see how I work. I want you to see that, guess what, as you step out in faith, that God moves in special ways, that God moves in the miraculous. As we think, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. God, I don't know how to figure all this out. That you just say, you know what, God, you picked me for this. You picked me, you could have picked anybody else. But you picked me. And so, God, that should help me. That should encourage me. That you didn't, out of all the people you could have picked, that you picked me. You, you, you somehow saw into the future and knew that this is the one. This is the one. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. But you know what? You're going to make it through. You're going to be okay. Okay. Because why? God says, I've got you. You see, I know you may be going through pain. And the hard thing about pain is that pain has no prejudice. Pain does not care. Pain does not discriminate. And the paradox of pain is that what you see as loss, God says, no, no, that's not how I look at it. I look at it as gain. The Apostle Paul said, when I am weak, I am strong in Christ. So what others may see as weakness right now, brokenness, God's like, no, no, that's just the beginning of something better. It's just the beginning of what I want to do. It's just the beginning stage. The same day, I wrote down in my journal, May 1st. I said this, not pretty profound, it's just out of my journal, okay? I didn't think I'd be sharing it, so I didn't care with my spelling or my grammar, I just didn't care. I thought this was just between me, but I thought I'd share with you. I wrote this, it does not matter where you start. It does not matter how you started it does not matter what you started with because the ending won't be like the beginning. You see, it doesn't matter how you started. It doesn't matter what you started or where you started or what you had because the ending is not going to be like the beginning. Your ending is going to be better because the scripture says, I've given you an expected end. God says, I've looked into your future and I know what it looks like. I know what I'm doing. We need to trust the author. We need to trust the writer. We need to trust God in this situation. We need to step back and say, God, I can't trust my own eyes right now. I can't trust my own feelings right now. I just got to trust you with it. I just got to give it to you. And I know that you're going to do something with it. You may have a situation. I don't know what the situation is. I can tell you what mine is, and it's pretty obvious. But I'm just saying, all right, God, I'm going to put this in your hands. Because you've been faithful. You've been good. You haven't failed. You haven't disappointed. I'm not the first one to have this. You say, what do you mean the first one to have and be kicked out of the building? A friend of mine, same thing, church planner, North San Jose, he posted yesterday, hey guys, we got kicked out of our property. We got 48 hours. We got to find out where we're going to meet for Sunday. It happens to others, but it's at those moments where we say, you know what, God, you're you're doing something else, and I'm going to trust you. Let's all stand if we can and we'll close.
0: We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.